Good morning. Are we still sleeping? So just like Ivan mentioned, that you are stuck with myself and Ivan this morning, and because you're stuck with myself and Ivan this morning, I'm going to invite you to lift your right hand with me like this. Let's put it down. Lift your left hand like this. Let's put it down. I feel great already because no one is going to go on saying the preacher did not move me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. So um, last week in our first installment of the Good Shepherd sermon series, Jason managed to cover the first verse in Psalms 23. And I believe that Psalms 23 is one of the most common scriptures in the Christian circles and for unbelievers as well. I think this, um, we've heard it being used at funerals. I've even heard the, um, the scripture being used by some presidents. One of my absolute favorite presidents, Abraham Lincoln, always used to quote Psalms 23. And uh, we heard Psalms 23 being quoted as well after 9-11 just to calm the people after what had happened. So Psalms 23 verse 1, the part that Jason preached last week, says that the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. I mean, that speaks to contentment. How many of us know that contentment does not come from what we have, but it comes from whom we have? So contentment actually doesn't come from what we have. You can have all the things that you have, that you design the world, and still be discontent. So it comes from whom we have. So the, the, the scripture says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. So when the Lord is your shepherd, you have everything you need. It has to start with him being your shepherd. The first part is that he has to be your shepherd. So the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. So all of us are sheep. Meh, all of us are sheep. I think that um, we are sheep, that it, we are all sheep that is in desperate need of a shepherd. We are all sheep that is in desperate need of a shepherd. And I'm going to try and do this by way of recapitulation. I think last week Jason mentioned that we need to trust in our shepherd. We need to trust in our shepherd. Most of us are fine with the Jesus we sing at Christmas. Most of us are fine with the Jesus that we're seeing at Easter. Most of us are fine with the Jesus that we, I mean, the baby Jesus. But when it comes to letting go and trusting the shepherd and following the shepherd, that's a different story. That's a different story. I always used to ask myself, yes, Jesus died for our sins, but why, why did he have to, to, to be raised to life? And the thing is, Jesus died to be our savior, but he rose to be our shepherd. We simply cannot follow a dead shepherd. He had to be raised to, to life so that we can follow a reason shepherd. So today, I'm going to try and cover the second part in Psalms 23. And there is a big difference between a tour guide and... A travel agent, because a tour guide, a travel agent basically books the flight for you, books uh, uh, the accommodation for you, and suggests places they've never been to, 
as if those places are the most amazing places, then you go there and find out that there's actually rodents in the area. However, a tour guide walks the journey with you. A tour guide goes with you, suggests places that you need to go. I think Jesus as our shepherd is more like a tour guide and less like a travel agent. Sheep, we don't know what we need. Sheep can simply, we cannot lead ourselves. As sheep, it is impossible to lead ourselves. As I mentioned that Jesus died to be our savior, we are fine with Jesus dying for us to be our savior. When it comes to him leading us, it's a problem. I want to show us a very quick video just to demonstrate what I'm talking about. Um, So this is just like us. We simply cannot lead ourselves. We need a shepherd to lead us. <laughs> we cannot lead ourselves. So today, I'm going to try and cover Psalms 23 verse 2, which says that, He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me, besides still waters. Sometimes God makes you do things. Sometimes he leads you to do things. Those of you who are parents, not me, those of you who are parents have to force and make your children to go to bed at a particular time because it's what's best for them. If it were up to them, they don't mind staying up, up until 12 midnight, 2 a.m., playing games and watching TV, but you have to make them to sleep at a particular time, because it's good for them. I think God makes us sometimes do certain things, and sometimes he leads us to do certain things. So this portion of scripture that I just read, he makes us lie in green, green pastures, and he leads us beside still waters, addresses the physical needs of the sheep. Can everybody say food? Can everybody say water? And can everybody say rest? So this portion, he makes me lie down in green pastures, addresses these three things. Food, water, and rest. Food, water, and rest. And I, I, if you go to a really good counselor, I mean a, a good one, not the phone call ones, a really, really good counselor, one of the first things they'll ask you is, how's your diet? How's your, your sleeping habits? Because they want to first address Food, water, and rest. And I began to ask myself, why is God really trying to address food, water, and rest? I'm going to take you to 1 Kings 19, 4 to 6. In this story, we know the prophet Elijah, one of the greatest prophets in the Bible. And prophet Elijah 
was depressed. He was going through the most. He, he was running away from a crazy woman called Jezebel. And Jezebel was literally after the prophet's head. But in this portion of scripture, Elijah speaks to God. Verse 4 says, Elijah walked a whole day into the wilderness. He stopped and sat down in the shade of a tree and wished he could die. That's very difficult to believe that the prophet would wish that he could die. And he wished he could die. And he said that, it is too much, Lord, he prayed. Take away my life. I might as well be dead. And in this time, you might be thinking, God is going to come and comfort him and take him to heaven and give him all the good things. But what happens, verse 5 says that he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. And suddenly, an angel touched him and said, wake up and eat. And he looked around and he saw a loaf of bread and a jar of water near his head. And he ate food, he drank water, and he lay down again. Food, water, rest. Food, water, rest. I think that God is trying to teach us something here. That he cares for your physical need. Your shepherd cares for your physical need. So here's the first thing that I want us to do. Can everybody say, Rely on the shepherd's provision. Can we say it again? Rely on the shepherd's provision. So the Bible says that he makes us lie in green pastures. When you think of green pastures, what comes to your mind? Definitely green pastures. I think that the picture that you probably have in your mind looks like this. That's the picture that we all have in our minds when it comes to green pastures. But in the context of where David was and where the shepherds used to take the sheep to graze, green pastures in those days looked a lot different. I mean, they still do today. They looked a lot different. They looked like this. And you might be wondering, I don't see a lot of green there. There's barely anything to graze there. But I think the significance of this scripture is that shepherds would walk along, like they would wake up at four, and they would take the sheep to, um, this is the Negev Desert, to try and take them to graze in these green pastures. But what this speaks to, this speaks to sufficient for today. God wants to give you stuff that is sufficient for today. Sufficient for today. When you, when you go back in, in, in the Old Testament, we're told of the, uh, the story of the Israelites as they were walking in the, um, in the wilderness, and God provided food for them. They provided what was food that was called manna. Manna was only su- sufficient for that day. The following day, it will be spoiled. They were not able to eat it after that. It's sufficient for today. Even if you come with me, we all know the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, 11. We know what the, the, the scripture says. It says, give us today the food we need. Shepherds would take the sheep so that they can graze the food they need for that day. And I think God, as much as he cares for you, 
this messes up with our minds because we want to see the full, full picture. We want to have the, the green pastures. I, I know a lot of us leave certain places to go and look for greener pastures, but how many of us know that the grass is not always greener on the other side? So God wants to give you stuff that's sufficient for you right now. The second thing, I want you to say this with me. Say, allow the shepherd to make you rest because it's what's best for you. So allow the shepherd to make you rest because it's what's best for you. I think we, we, we all like the idea of calmness, but the reality looks a lot different. The reason why the shepherd would lead the sheep besides still waters is because sheep don't like moving currents. So what would happen is that the sheep, because they are carrying heavy wool, when they put their head down in the current to try and drink, if there's moving current, it would literally make the sheep fall in the current, and then the sheep would literally like drown and sink and go down the current. So then the shepherd would need to move the sheep besides still waters. I think the significance of that is that we are all living in turbulent places right now. We're all living very busy lives right now. And we are not built for that. God did not create us for that. So he wants to make you lie beside still waters. In the stillness. So that we can be able to refortify ourselves. I think God that we serve, the God that we worship, is the God of rhythms. He's a God of rhythms. When he was creating the earth, he followed a particular rhythm. Now, whether you feel it or not, the earth is moving right now in a particular rhythm. There is a time to plant. There is a plant. There's a time to water. There's a time to harvest. That's a rhythm. Uh, day, night, that's a rhythm. When God was creating the earth, he put in place particular rhythms. He created the heavens and the earth. On the sixth day, he created the best creation he ever made, which was men. Then he took a rest. That was a rhythm. I think that when we don't have a rhythm of rest, we will end up having a rhythm of stress. And I think that with most of us, a rhythm of rest prevents a rhythm of stress. And the reason why God wants you to lie in still water, besides still waters, it wants you to have a rhythm of rest. A rhythm of rest, not a rhythm of stress. I think the enemy tries to distract us with busyness. He tries to distract us with what's happening around us so that we actually don't take a break. But God wants us, because God wants us to lie beside still waters. The enemy knows that when you rest, when you lie beside still waters, your head is clear. You can focus. You can think better. You, can, you, you feel replenished. But when you are tired, you're not able to do anything because the weight of the world is carrying you. When the Lord is not our shepherd and we're being led by the world, all of a sudden, Psalms 23 sounds and looks a lot differently. It sounds and looks a lot differently. If the Lord is not your shepherd... Psalms 23 is going to sound like this. The world is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when I'm exhausted. It leads me into deep depression. It hounds my soul. It leads me into circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Even though I run frantically 
from task to task, I will never get it all done. For stress is always with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performances from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. And surely, fatigue and frustration will follow me all the days of my life. This is not how God intended you to live your life. This is not how God wants to lead you. He wants to lead you beside still waters. He wants you to be in a place of rest without stress. God wants you to feel replenished. God wants you to feel rested. But the world wants this for you. The world wants to dictate you so that you don't rest. So that you only rest only when you're exhausted. That's not how God intended for us to live. And I think that when, if we're on a road and we're taking a road trip, if we want to travel to Joburg or, or someplace, if you're driving there, at some point, you're going to need to stop the car and fill up the tank. At some point, you're going to need to offload, pee, drop some cousins. You're going to need to do that. At some point, you're going to need to eat. At some point, you're going to need to do that. But what happens if you don't fill up the tank again when it's showing you that it's on empty? You're going to stop somewhere. And because your, empty your, empty, your, your tank is empty, you're going to have to push your car with energy that you don't have. That's how most of us are living our lives right now. Because we are not taking time to fill up the tank, to fill up our tanks, so that we can actually be able to go into the world replenished, full. Mark chapter 4 demonstrates this story perfectly. Mark chapter 4, verse 38. Suddenly, a strong wind blew up, and the waves began to spill over into the boat. So it was about to fill with water. 38 says, Jesus was at the back of the boat. What was Jesus doing? What was Jesus doing? We underestimate sleep, but there's simply a lot of things that will never happen unless you're sleeping. Growth takes place while you're sleeping. Some of you woke up with gray hairs today, say Amen, Owen, that you didn't have the day before, but because you went to bed, you grew, right? So Jesus was sleeping with his head on a pillow, and the disciples woke him up. The Jesus was sleeping, but the disciples woke him up to experience the chaos, the havoc that they were experiencing. And they say, teacher, don't you care that we are about to die? And Jesus stood up and commanded the wind. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, be quiet. And he said to the world, be still. And the wind died down and there was great calm. And Jesus said to his disciples, why are you frightened? Do you still have no faith? I think it's important for us to be quiet to switch off devices, to switch off things that prevent us from being still so that we can be still in his presence. 
so that we can be still in his presence. Third thing that I want us to do is to rest in the shepherd's presence. Can we all say rest in the shepherd's presence? Rest in the shepherd's presence. So, there is three things, four things, that will prevent sheep from, from lying beside still waters. Three things that will prevent sheep from lying beside still waters. And the, three, the four reasons is that, first reason, is that sheep are naturally fearful creatures. They are fearful creatures. If a red comes out of the bush, they are running, just like some of you. Um, sheep are naturally fearful creatures. Second thing is that they are fraught with friction. So sheep are always bickering heads with, the, with other sheep. They're they just like fraught with friction. And the third thing is that they are fluffy with fleas. And what happens is that, what happens is that um, if a fly goes in the ear of a sheep, the sheep will keep on hitting its head on the rock until it dies, because it's trying to get the fly out. This is similar to some of us. When we listen to the enemy saying things in our ear, it will prevent us from listening to the voice of the shepherd. I think it's important for us to pay attention to the voice that matters, because when we pay attention to the enemy saying things in our ear, we can end up going astray. I want to um, read a scripture for you where Jesus demonstrated this properly. Jesus was in the wilderness in Matthew 4, verse 3. Verse 3 says, Then the devil came to him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, order these stones into bread. This is an example of a fly in your ear whispering things to you so that you don't pay attention to the voice of the shepherd. So Jesus then responds to, to, to the enemy and he says to him, Hey, Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. I think it's important for you to know the voice of your shepherd. The Bible says that my, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. And the voice of a stranger, they will not follow. And the voice of a stranger, you will not follow. My question for you is whose voice are you listening to? Because they, the enemy is not going to keep quiet. He's going to keep focusing. If the sheep can actually just focus on the shepherd, the shepherd can help take that fly out of the ear. But if the sheep chooses to focus on the fly in the ear, it will die. It will die. And the fourth thing is that that will prevent sheep from being in still, beside still waters, is predators. Is predators. But what calms sheep is not the absence of predators, but the presence of the shepherd. What calms you is not the absence of problems, absence of sickness, absence of chaos in the world. What calms you is the presence of the shepherd. Because when the shepherd is near, there is no need to fear. When the shepherd is close to you, there is no need for you to fear. So what should calm you down is knowing that you have a shepherd who loves you, who cares for you, who will never leave you nor forsake you. 
I think this is demonstrated perfectly in, 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 in the Old Testament. We know the story of David and Goliath, where other, the Israelites were literally running away from Goliath, and they were scared of him. But David comes and says, hey, I know my shepherd. I'm not going to be scared of you, because, not because you are not a threat, but because I am choosing to focus on my shepherd. And he managed to defeat Goliath. Not because he was the most skilled person, but because he knew that he doesn't fight his own battles. I think it's important to understand what calms us down. What calms ship down is not the presence, is not the absence of predators. Predators are there. Lions are there. Bears are there. Everything, as you go out into the world, as you go out in your workplaces, there are people ready to devour you. There is systems ready to devour you, but what should calm you is the presence of your shepherd. You should, you should, you should, you should rest in his presence because when, you, when he's there, you know that you are safe. So here's three things that I want us to do. Three things that I want us to do, I want us to stop, to eat, and to listen. Stop, eat, and listen. Stop, eat, listen. Food, water, rest. Stop, eat, listen. Can everybody say stop? Can everybody say eat? Can everybody say listen? Stop the distractions around you. As you wake up every morning, my challenge to you for the next seven days is to stop, to eat, and to listen. Stop the distractions. How many of us know that our phone comes with a button that switches it off? <laughs> For some of you who don't know, it is possible to switch your phone off as you wake up. Because when you start your day correctly, it will flow over to the rest of your week. I think it's important for us to stop the distractions. Stop. If the first thing we're doing is getting into the chaos of the world, whether it's responding to messages and speaking to people and watching TV series and all of that, we are not starting our days properly. So let's stop. Let's stop the distractions. Let's stop all distractions in the morning as we wake up. And the second thing we should do is eat. Eat. I'm not saying eat food, but I'm saying, you know, you should do that but eat the Word of God. Eat the Word of God. Read the Bible in the morning as you wake up. Read the Bible. Eat the Bible. Not literally, but I mean, read the Bible. Read the Bible. And the last thing I want you to do is to rest and listen to what he is saying. Rest and listen to what he's saying. I'm going to go back to 1 Kings 19. Verse 7. First Kings 19.7. First Kings 19.7. We read First Kings 4 to 6 in the story of Prophet Elijah. And in verse 7, the story continues. And the story says that the Lord's angel returned after he had ate, drank, and rested again. The angel came again the second time and returned and woke him up a second time, saying, What is the angel saying? Get up. And eat. Again, get up 
and eat. Or the trip will be much for you. I think when we wake up in the morning and we don't start our day with God, the day is going to be much for you. The day is going to be much for you. The week is going to be much for you. The month is going to be much for you. The trip will be much for you. So the Lord, the angel said, get up and eat. Or the trip will be much for you. Verse 8 says, Elijah got up and he ate and he drank and he drank and the food gave him enough strength to walk 40 days to Sinai. The food he ate gave him enough strength to walk 40 days. I'm, uh, listen, I'm not trying to build theology around this. If that's what you're getting, Jason will come and fix this next week. But <laughs> what I'm saying is that when we start our day with God, we get enough strength. We get enough strength to overcome whatever the day is going to bring to us in the day. In closing, I'm going to tell you a story. And the story is back then, before we had refrigerators, all of us were born <laughs> during the time of refrigerators, but there was a time where we didn't have fridges. And that time where we didn't have fridges, what used to happen there used to have what was called ice houses. And ice houses were basically blocks of ice, a house with no window, where they would store up, during the winter, they would store up ice in this house and put soy dust on, on the ice. And very often, what they did, the food would last for an entire summer because of these ice houses. So there was a man who went into his house houses, was stocking the blocks of ice in those houses, in his house. He lost one of his most valuable watches. As he lost his watch, he looked for it and he couldn't find it. He put up word in his neighborhood. He said, I lost my watch in my neighborhood. And a lot of men came to try and help him find this watch. They searched. They moved things around. They searched. They moved things around. They couldn't find it. And a little boy in the same neighborhood who heard the story that they were looking for this watch said, you know what? You guys have already tried. Let me go and give it a try. And he went and he closed the door and he went inside. And a few Moments later, he came holding the watch. And they were shocked. They asked him, how? How is it possible that men twice, thrice your age, were in this ice house and could not find this watch? What did you do that is different to what we did? And he said, I simply went inside and I closed the door. And I lay down on top of the soy dust, face up, and I kept quiet. And they are headed, tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock. Then I found it. I think the significance of this is that if we get to stop and eat and listen, we can get to hear the Father's voice. We can get to hear the shepherd's voice. 
I think very often we're focusing on the wrong TikTok. We should be focusing on the voice of the Lord. We should be focusing on His voice. But this only comes if we stop, if we eat, and we listen. As I'm closing right now, I just want to invite you. If you're here and you're saying, this is great, but I don't know this shepherd that you're talking about, I want to invite you to start a journey with him today, to start a relationship with him today. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice, and he calls them by name. This can be an opportunity for you to start your relationship with your shepherd today. And if you're here again and you're saying, whoa, I've never heard this voice you're talking about. The only voice I hear is my voice. I want to invite you to stop, to eat, and to listen to his voice. And he's going to direct you. He's going to show you what you need to do. And if you're here and you want to make that decision today to make him your shepherd, you can make that decision. You can make that decision to make him your shepherd. As we read in verse 1, that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I have everything I need. It has to start with him being your shepherd. It has to start with him being your shepherd. So I'm inviting you today to start a journey with him, to start a relationship with him. You guys can bow your heads and I'm going to pray for you as I end.